Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Feels like it, doesn't it? Man, I loved the snow yesterday. That was cool. Um, I think I would be remiss if I didn't thank you guys for just the incredible outpouring we've had uh, over the last weeks. I know uh, Robert Britt is and Wendy are incredibly grateful for what you guys did. One of the things to me was how many gifts were there yesterday was absolutely amazing. Of course, the manpower was fantastic, but you guys stepped up to the plate in so many different ways. All the gifts that you got. Liz loaded that tree like four times with those tags, and y'all kept going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny and pulling those tags off and buying those gifts, and it was, it was absolutely amazing. Of course, then showed up, and I hear that some of you were helping Hope Match yesterday and the days before to, uh, to uh, get ready as well. So thank you so much for your hearts to give and, and what God's doing. Uh, I was in Charleston with Dr. Joe and Heidi uh, Friday night. We got a chance to, you know, uh, just spend some time with them and ride around and do some things. And and sometimes when you do that, uh, the Lord can show you all kinds of things, and he did. And I was um, I was kind of figuring, trying to figure out uh, what the Lord wanted me to do and say this morning and because uh, I've got the scriptures that I felt like he wanted me to talk to you about, but I couldn't quite get a handle on exactly how he wanted me to present it, JP, until we got to doing worship. And, and then it, and it, and it's, just, it's, it's alive. Um, there, this is such a challenging time in history, the history of the church as well, and, and uh, it, it's just difficult. I see, I see Christians struggling everywhere. They're, they're, they're struggling everywhere. They're, they're, and, and the main struggle is, is just, you know, they, they get burnt out and wore out. Life is hard. There are so many different opinions about how to do church and almost like this incredible competition. That's one of the things you love to see yesterday was all the churches working together, but how to do things. And Timothy deals with that in first, I mean, uh, Paul deals with that in, in Tim, uh, Second Timothy. He also deals with that in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, as he's saying, you know, some of you say you're following this guy, and some of you say you're following this guy, and some of you say you're following this guy, and all it's doing is really creating division, and the foundation of who you need to be following is Jesus. You need to be following Jesus, and you need to be doing it his way. Well, in our travels, I came across a friend of mine who's in ministry, been in ministry for years, and um, one of the things that he he said, and as he was talking, was he he uh, just used the scripture about you know uh, where Jesus says, "Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst." Anybody familiar with that? passage of scripture. That's kind of what I feel like the Lord is having me talk to you about today and making sure that we align with him in everything that he's doing. Because the church is really seeking healing. 
The church is seeking hope. The church wants to be joy-filled. And I, and I think they're riding from one emotion to the next emotion to one fad to the next fad, and it's, and it's just not working for them because, because they're, being, they're being stirred by their emotions instead of agreeing and lining up with what God says and how God says do things. And it was not more apparent to me than when I got the message that said, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And you were saying, well, what do you, what, why, why is that? Well, first of all, it goes back to the name of Jesus and the foundation that what, what you're building on. And that passage of Scripture is actually saying, you could rewrite it and say it like this. For those of, who, for those of you who, who gather together, and begin to do life in agreement with me, I join you. That's what that basically is saying. Because if you'll look at that passage of Scripture, it's in Matthew chapter 18. Well, you say, Pastor, what's Matthew chapter 18? Matthew chapter 18 is the correction chapter. How to deal with discipline in the church. And Jesus is saying, those who are offended... And you were thinking, well, why would they be offended? Well, they're offended because they are in sin. And so they've actually offended righteousness. And so we just turn this thing around because we want it to fit our emotional condition. And the church has got to get to a place where they quit trying to solve their emotional dysfunction and start aligning themselves with Jesus so that when two or more are gathering, there he will be in agreement with what he's doing. <laughs> and you see it and it's like, wow, man, I've got to come into agreement with God's way. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, I'm, I've been blown away. God says, I got this land, I got this ministry for you. And we're going to get into that in our notes when I get to them. <clears throat> in our ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, you have a ministry. You are a minister. Say that to the person all around you. Say it like four people. You are a minister of the gospel. If you're a believer, you're a minister. You have a ministry. You have a ministry, and you need to understand that your ministry needs to come into agreement with the name of Jesus, the way of Jesus. And when your ministry comes into agreement with the way of Jesus, he goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you because you're in agreement with him. You're doing things his way. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4, and, and just in all kinds of places, Paul really begins to deal with the house of God and their lack of alignment with righteousness. And he says this, judge the house of God. He said, well, you know, we just had a message that talked about judgment. Judge them for sin. It says when there's in sin, they're, they're uh, offending righteousness. Go to them and, and confront them and say to them, you know, you're, 
you're in sin. You know, the Lord says you, you shouldn't live together if you're not married. You're in sin. You, you, shouldn't, be, you shouldn't steal. You, we've caught you in a lie. You, you're not running your business with integrity. You're trying to avoid your taxes. You're not rendering to Caesar what's Caesar's. Well, it's not fair, Pastor. No, it's not. Well, that doesn't matter. You need to have integrity. You need to abide by the laws of the land. God very much gives you that kind of information. So the point I'm trying to make here is we need to help each other. See, the reason the church is running from emotion to emotion is because we haven't got to the place where we need to be, which I'm so glad I'm part of this body of believers because we're so much further along than so many others. And I'm not tooting our own horn. I'm just saying we got people who really, really, really will call each other out and say to one another, hey, let's get, let's get, let's get going on this thing. And, and, we, and we have so many, not everybody, we have so many that have a heart for God that will actually respond to it. You go, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. Everybody's not get offended when we just tell the truth. You know, we actually really want to do what you say do. We want to align with that and we want to see it. So I'm so thankful for that. But, but, but we got to get better. And we can get better. Well, how do you get better is you really have to get good at beginning to pray for one another and caring for one another. You have to learn and become better at taking your eyes off yourself and putting them on those around you. You need to get compassion for the people in this body of believers so that we can be praying for one another, so that we can be lifting each other's name up so that, so that we can get information from God that we shouldn't have. You know, God does that. That's a spiritual gift. He says, when my spirit does that to you, you'll get information that you shouldn't have. And you'll be able to prophesy over people, help them get lined up with the name of Jesus, the way of Jesus. In their ministry. And so we need to, be praying for each other. I, I want you to come into church not to sit here and listen to a preacher or have great times of worship and, and be done. That is part of the problem with the church is we want our emotional fix so we can feel better about ourselves and get comfortable with ourselves or even come back to some semblance of emotional security while we're worshiping, which is a good thing. But it doesn't stop there. We need to come in ready to minister to those around us that need us. And when we do that, then the kingdom actually can advance and we can get solid and we may become a place that God can actually bring revival through. But God's not going to bring revival to a city through a group of people that don't know how to minister to one another and don't know how don't even know that they have a ministry or know that they're called into ministry. Or they're not willing to align themselves with the name of Jesus. So when you say the name of Jesus, what you're saying is the character and nature of God. What you're saying is this is who he is. This is what he's about. He is righteous and he is your righteousness. He's your all in all. He's 
perfection. He did not sin. He died and there was no corruption on him. So the incorruptible seed, which was Jesus, took the hit for you and me. And in his name is perfection. And so when you line up with a perfect plan, then he is with you. And the whole idea in church is not to make ourselves feel better, not to buy into a worldly vision, but to get better and better at aligning yourself with the name of Jesus so that you can represent him well, so that you can make sure that you are being what Jesus wants you to be in your ministry. And so it's about the name of Jesus. And it's about us as a body of believers getting better at aligning ourselves with him. In other words, we've got to get really good at not tolerating our own sin. Because in 1 Corinthians 5 and 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4 and Acts chapter 13 and, and just place after place after place after place, what you find is is you find Paul correcting the church, and he's saying, church, correct yourself, but, and, plus. <laughs> he says, don't be trying to correct the world. You can't do that. If you try to correct the world, you're, you're, you're taking on a task that is an impossible, frustrating task. Quit that. Stop that. Take care of yourself. Become transformed yourself. And as you're being transformed, be the image of God to the world so they'll be jealous of the church. And too often times in what we're doing in the body of Christ currently is worrying about the world, trying to make sure we don't offend the world. Well, Paul says those that have offended righteousness confront them. It's backwards. It's backwards. The whole issue with the church is we're powerless. Why? Because we're not being transformed. And it's not like it hadn't been prophesied. It's all over scripture. So now that I have gone totally off my notes, I'm going to get on them right here, right now. You ready? All right, we're going to go through 2 Timothy well, let's start with Ephesians 4.11. Can we do that? Ephesians chapter 4, just to validate your call. I want to do that real quickly, and then we'll go from there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And Jesus himself. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, which is a five-fold ministry gift. We have a, a leadership gift, and they should be in the church. They are, should be the leaders of the church. And they gave though, he gave those offices to the church for this, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Do you see anything in there? about those five-fold ministry gifts ministering to the world. They are to minister to the body of Christ. 
When do they stop ministering to the body of Christ and start worrying about the world? Well, when we all come to unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and we're all perfect. until you're a perfect man or woman, to the measure, stature of the fullness of Christ. When you get there, we can stop. But until then. And we're going to do that so that we should no longer be a children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of a deceitful plotting but we would speak the truth in love so that we can grow up in all things into him who is the head, and that is Christ. From whom the whole body joined together, knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body of Christ for the edifying of itself in love. And so, he wants us to do that. Now, as we think about this and as we think about working we're, and, and doing life, we're going to run into a lot of people who name them the name of Jesus. They, they say that they're Christians, right? Well, we are instructed in Scripture to deal with them even in the world because it is the church. This is the church to deal with them in a way differently than the world. We can't expect the world to have a moral compass that lines up with Scripture because they don't have God. They don't know God. There's no spirit in them. It's absolutely ridiculous for us to think that the world is going to line up with the moral standard of the Bible. And so we should just make sure that we, the church, are representing Jesus well so that they can see a difference in the two. Which you see the church doing a poor job in that as well, oftentimes. But we're going to get better. I believe there's coming a time where, where it's going to be a larger separation. There's going to be a division, and you're going to know because you're going to get persecuted more and more and more for what you believe and how you stand. And there's got to be a separation. And you're going to be attracted to more and more righteousness or you're going to have to make a decision that you're going back. Right? You're going to have to do one or the other because living in the middle is going to be hellish. And so, we've got a ministry. You've got a ministry. My job is to train you to look like Jesus so that you can do your ministry. You can work it out. So Paul, who has sent Timothy out, he writes to Timothy and he says this to Timothy in Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to read uh, quite a bit in here. This is from the New King James. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. 
For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. God just described America in 2017. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, I want you to go out there and I want you to try to save them. I want you to try to, I want you to, try to make sure that they don't fall off. I, bet, I want you to make sure that they don't go to hell. No. No. From such people, turn away. Turn away. Well, they might go to hell. They might. But your job is to turn away and become righteous, become holy, so that they see and become jealous. So they see you prospering. They see you full of hope. They see you full of joy. But the problem is when one's not there, when you turn away and you look just like them, you just like, look like a self-righteous fool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're transformed into the image of Christ, if you love, if you have mercy on them, but you have nothing to do with their life or their lifestyle, when you, don't, when you don't give them attaboys and there's this movement in the church, this feel-good movement that lets everybody be and do what they're going to do without confronting sin if they claim to be a believer. And, and Scripture is dead set against that kind of behavior. But again, when I want you to hear me, don't be religious and, and don't be not being transformed. In other words, you can have empathy for people by saying, you know, man, I've, been, I've struggled with that in my past. You know, that was something, a decision I made too. And you know what I found is that, is that my God was able not only to deliver me, but he empowered me to be delivered. And once he delivered me, you know, I got healed. My, my whole mindset began to change and I got hope and I got joy in the midst of something that I thought was trying to satisfy me but could bring no satisfaction. And my hope is found in him and so is yours. Turn from what you're doing and follow Jesus if you name his name. Well, I'm not willing to do that. Then turn from such a person. So that they'll see that there's a difference between those who believe and those who don't. Not in, not in hate and not in, but in compassion. Because it's, it's that plan, that righteous plan that God uses to quit enabling them to stay in their sin. And what you're doing, if you don't do what the scripture says, is you're not aligning yourself with the name of Jesus. Because it's not his way. His way is in the word.
these people, they love pleasure rather than loving God, and they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. From such people, turn away from those kind of folks that claim to be believers but continue in these types of sin. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, emotionally, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as... These two brothers of mine resisted Moses. So do these also resist the truth. They're men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will manifest to all, and there's also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, the purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, and it can... Uh, whatever that is, in Lystra, with persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me from, from all of them. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and apostles will grow worse and worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so the environment that we're going to be living in is going to get worse and worse and worse. But you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And from... Your childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, I charge you, Esau Church, ministers of God, before God and the Lord Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, encourage with all patience and long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Esau, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your own ministry. Yes. Yes. You have a ministry. You have to align yourself with the name of God. You have to align yourself with the name of Jesus. And when you align yourself with his way, Deuteronomy says, you've got this ministry, you've got this land. I'm going back to it. I probably stopped, and I didn't tell you what it is, but this is what it is. Deuteronomy chapter 18 says this. There's this land, there's this ministry that I've got for you. Before the foundation of the world, I knew you were coming. And I had this ministry designed for you. I had these gifts I knew I was going to give you. I had this calling I knew I was going to put on your life. I have this anointing that only you have. The ministry that I purpose for you. There's this land, this ministry land. It's special. It's amazing. The soil is good. The, the scenery and the things that it's going to accomplish are amazing. And I've got my eye on it. 
and I'm going to water it. I'm going to make it fruitful. I'm going to make it prosper. Just make sure that you love me with all your heart and you make sure that all your life you commit to my way and I'll be with you. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I'll be there in the midst. Yeah? Christmas story. Because we're all about to face some challenges with Christians and family who claim to be Christians who that we really need to make sure that we don't look like hell. And we really need to make sure that we don't look like the world. And we really need to make sure that we don't look religious. That we represent the way of Jesus well. And that we're in tune with who he is. We're in tune to the ministry that he's given us. We listen for his voice and we only say what he says. And we only do what he does. So that the fruit that he desires to be made known to those folks that you're going to be in contact with is produced. Only the fruit that Jesus wants to produce. Got one more story. Well, actually I have two scriptures, but I'm only going to talk about one. Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Just to show you and to help you See, oftentimes we think, well, if God is with me, then it's going to be successful. If I've got a ministry and God is with me, it's going to be successful. And the truth of the matter is, that's not true. That is not true. You mean, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, read the whole chapter of Acts chapter 13, and you're going to find it. But Paul refers to this in Galatians, and he refers to it in 2 Timothy, that that he, in his bringing, coming up in the church, he gets anointed by these apostles and prophets that are in the church that day, and, and they lay hands on Paul, and they send him out on his missionary journeys. He begins his missionary journeys, and he, he puts this, they put this team together, and they pray over him, and they send them out. Well, they go out, and they, they come to one place, and... and uh, and they teach and do their deal, and then they go to the second place. Well, after the first experience, John Mark, who wrote Mark, it's John Mark, he wrote the book of Mark, decides he's done with this mess, and he leaves Paul. And Paul doesn't like it, not a bit. He even writes about it later. He says to Timothy, you know, John, John Mark, he's, he's ministering to me, and I'm in prison, and he's ministering to me, and, and, and it's good, it's good, we're good. And I was ticked at him for a good little bit, but we're, we're good. And I need him here. And it's a good thing. But there was friction. And then, and then they go on further and further and further. And they come to this place, this town, and they go to the synagogue, and they begin to teach the Jews in the synagogue because they were asked to. They go to church. They sit in the service. And the leader said, y'all got anything y'all want to add? Paul says, Yeah. Of course. And he goes through the whole story of Moses. And he goes through the whole story of the law and how it didn't have the ability 
to empower you not to sin. But this Jesus came, who we crucified, he was the one who raised from the dead. David is still in the grave. He died, he turned to ashes, he's back to dirt, but this Jesus, he didn't. So that he could fulfill the law and satisfy the promise of God and forgive all our sin so that we can have eternal life. You know what happened? The whole church repented. Every one of them. Yeah, that's great. Good preaching. Boy, I like this new gospel. This is really cool. And then there was a couple of Gentiles there, and they were outside, and they were listening in on the meeting, and they said, we want to hear about this Jesus. And they said, great, come back next week. So all the Gentiles come back next week, and the building's starting to fill up, and there's room outside, and the Jews said, wait a minute, we can't draw this kind of crowd. And they got jealous, and they rebuked the gospel and turned from it and began to argue and blaspheme against the Lord. How long did their transition make? How long did it last? A week. And it says they all ran them all off. Now there's some that probably believed from that, but we don't know a history of that. All we know, let me read the end of the story. This is so good, I gotta read it. Go to Acts. <laughs> Chapter 13, verse 43, or 14, verse, uh, make sure I got this right. 13, verse 43. When the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout Proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things that Paul had spoken. So one week they're following, the next week they're opposing them. And then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we now turn to the Gentiles. And that's when Paul began his missionary journey to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. So he's quoting scripture again. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life, they, they believed. So whoever God had chosen already or knew already was going to come, they came. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, and they raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they expelled them from the whole region. And then they shook the dust off their feet against them, and they came to... They, uh, Iconium, thank you there, Brother Seminary. And the disciples would fill with joy and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they got run out of the city. They got run out of the whole region. That's why they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. 
See, we think Christian ministry is always going to be successful. But sometimes you're going to get run out of town. Sometimes you're going to get run out of your job. Sometimes you're going to be persecuted in your family functions. What do you do? Rejoice. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be transformed into the likeness of Jesus so that the next time that you have some semblance of a meeting, you can even look more like him. That's the mission of the church. That's evangelism. God's way. Amen? Let's stand for closing prayer. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.